This episode of Art Loggerheads contains spoilers for Daphne de Maurier's Rebecca as well as for the films. Hi, this is Sahaj. I'm Vartika. Art Loggerheads. In this podcast, we talk about literature, culture and music. Right now, we're kind of obsessed with comparing popular books and their screen adaptations. And to keep the discussion exciting. And to keep ourselves from actually going at loggerheads while we're at it. And to make some headway with the whole, the book was better than the movie debate. One of us enters having only watched the adaptation while the other one reads the book as well. For our last episode, we discussed the BBC adaptation of A Suitable Boy. And this time, we'll be getting into the latest on-screen treatment given out to Daphne du Maurier's genre-bending novel, Rebecca. Varthika here has only watched the movie while I have read the novel as well. This episode is produced and mixed by Shashwat Karkare. Do check out his band, You Know Who, U-N-O-H-U, on Instagram as at You Know Who The Band. Rebecca is considered one of the most popular Gothic novels ever written. Since its publication in 1938, millions of copies have been sold and it's never gone out of print. Its publication also brought about a big shift in how the Gothic was seen in the literary canon. So naturally, it has managed to capture the public imagination famously over the years. In 1940, Alfred Hitchcock adapted Rebecca to the screen featuring Joan Fontaine and Sir Laurence Olivier. Eighty years after Hitchcock, Ben Wheatley revives his gothic novel in his 2020 adaptation featuring Lily James and Army Hammer. But first, let's get the giant out of the room. And that's obviously Hitchcock, whose adaptation won twice at 13th Academy Awards and was nominated for 11 awards in total, which is more than any other movie that year. So I watched Hitchcock's Rebecca last night and I realized that it's different from the get-go. He gets the whole gothic thing right, which was majorly missing from the 2020 Rebecca. But other than that, I'll tell you the first scene in the movie is how Mrs. DeWinter meets Maxim, because Maxim is at the edge of a cliff, perhaps contemplating jumping, which to me was very uncharacteristic of him. Through the novel, Maxim was always this in-controlled man who hardly seemed to doubt himself. Yeah, Hitchcock wasn't one to do adaptations faithfully to the plot anyway. I think he was more for exploring the psychological depths rather than looking into the plot. Which is good because Rebecca is a character-based story rather than a plot-based one. The plot is of use to only bring out the characters. I don't think Ben Wheatley's Rebecca was horrible, but I wouldn't watch it again. Because, like I said, it's a quintessential gothic novel. But the whole feeling of the gothic with respect to foreshadowing, distressed women, or conspiracies of prophecies, they were all missing from the movie. And I suppose there's no room left for the gothic either, given how they've aestheticized the story so much and made it such a romance. I mean, there's nothing to feel as you watch the movie because you're just so busy looking at it. The thing is, a lot of people call Rebecca a romance, which is a misnomer. I would not classify Rebecca as a romance. Perhaps the only romance you can see in the book is between Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca herself. But other than that, I feel no love at all. 
which is why I have such a bone to pick with the mass market paperback cover of the novel too, because they make it look like such a Mills and Boone story. That does seem to be what they've done with the movie as well, right? And imagine not only having to compete with a book so successful, but also with an award-winning movie by none other than Alfred Hitchcock. And then the only defense you use is having pretty people kissing each other. Exactly. They've diluted the book into a romance. And a very unhealthy, incelly romance at that. It suddenly became about the romance between Maxime and Mrs. DeWinter. But that's not what the story is about. The entire book is about her insecurity about being the second woman, the successor of Mandalay, about following this whole legend of Rebecca that has been created. Which is something I could feel at some points in this adaptation, but it was a very frail connection they made. Like the strain of insecurity was there for sure, but it was so minor because they made everything about a winter being all, oh, Maxime, my Maxime. Which is not the point of the novel at all. Yeah, I hope so, because if that's what the novel is like, I wouldn't want to read it. Because this movie was quite a dud, and it does absolutely nothing for or with the acclaim that the book has got. They made it seem like a typical pulp romance. There's a whole scene in the movie where during the ball, Mrs. DeWinter sees some lady in red walking about whom she follows into the servants' quarters, but never finds. What the hell was that about? The entire plot is that Rebecca is an absent character. I haven't read the book, but that seems to be where they failed to show her insecurities. And I get that maybe they were trying to depict how it manifested itself in physical symptoms, where she's quite literally hallucinating. Yeah, I just feel like they shouldn't have done that at all. For sure, because it seemed to come quite out of the blue. And the painting she tries to resemble was actually a lady in white, not a lady in red. Yeah, I think I get why they do that, because of the set design and how physical space interacts. So, do you remember the scene from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire that's often talked about? You know, the one where Hermione's dress was supposed to be periwinkle blue, but they made it pink. That All of that is because of the setting, the background, which is so cold-toned that if they'd made the dress blue, it would have looked washed out and not stood out as the scene demanded it to. So, I guess I get that. A white dress may not have made as great a visual impact against the wooden marble of the interior. And red is quite dramatic. I don't know. I, maybe it's not that big a deal because these are changes that can be necessary for the effective visual language sometimes. That's one way to look at it. I also think the white dress had symbolic significance, which, much like every other important theme of the novel, was just washed over. But what I must say is that Mandalay was exactly how I imagined it. The set design was a really good job. Not only Mandalay from the outside, but Mandalay from the inside, with the whole coast and the east wing. So full props to set design. But costume design, I felt they really repeated Lily James's clothes. She was wearing the same pair of pants like thrice through the movie. Yes, and what was that bathing suit she wore? Because I don't think anybody has any evidence for a bathing suit like that existing in the 1920s and 30s. After a point, you know, I get what you mean about their clothing, but after a point, I was so done with how they saturated the movie with clothes. It just felt like it was Lily James, Army Hammer, and a lot of pretty clothes, nothing else. 
Speaking of, I must say that while Army Hammer was not the right man for the role of Maxime de Winter, he in his capacity as an actor did a good job. I think it was the script that screwed him over. In the novel, visitors and friends of Mandelish refused to believe that Maxime and Mrs. de Winter were actually married, since they don't look like a romantic couple. They had no physical proximity between them, and they were always very distant in public. Mrs. de Winter even confronts him about it, but throughout the movie, they're so lovey-dovey. Oh my god, yes. Which is not how it is in the book. There's a sense of detachment between the two. Which is why what happens at the ball is that she comes down dressed like the portrait and he sends her back up saying, what the hell are you doing? Because Rebecca had dressed like that at the previous ball. Her sister-in-law consoles her and convinces her to change and come back down. When she returns, there's a lot of people watching them and they're gossiping amongst themselves about how they don't really look like a couple. But throughout the movie, they look so tight. Yes, that's exactly how I felt. The first 30 minutes or so of the movie, I understand because it's all about their courtship, right? But they do remain pretty romantic for the rest of it too. So it feels like there's no real reason seemingly for Mrs. De Winter from the movie to feel insecure at all. And when they arrive at Mandalay and he kisses her, I thought, what the hell? He'd never do that. It was so out of character for him. He's supposed to be cold and distant. I felt like Army Hammer's character was, you know, I don't know. It, it felt like he was supposed to be some sort of repressed and stoic guy. But he just really came off as he wasn't putting in any effort at all. He was supposed to be very resigned because keep in mind, he just killed his wife a while ago. Spoiler alert. That's exactly what it didn't feel like. Because, see, apart from sleeping with his back to her at night, he was pretty much a regular Christian Grey here. And honestly, even Lily James was quite bad. At first, I thought Lily James was far too glamorous to play this role. But I think the way they tried to unglamour her was done fine because she's supposed to be a simple person, a lady's maid from a humble family who doesn't really know how to dress fancy. She even lost both her parents while she was very young. She still does kind of dress fancy even as a lady's maid, which was a little weird. You can't afford these clothes. Sally Bowman makes a very interesting point in her introductory essay to Rebecca that Mrs. DeWinters starts off as a lady's maid, as a person who's paid for her companionship. And when she gets married to Maxime DeWinter, who shows almost no love or affection towards her, although they are married, it recreates her earlier profession. She continues to play that role because that's what she knows how to do, especially when her marriage is lacking in intimacy. And in the book, they don't allude to or mention any physical intimacy at all. Their relationship looks very loveless. It's almost like they're two roommates living together. But there's no real coupley love in there. By doing the contrary in the movie, they really kill the essence of Du Maurier's Rebecca. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that because, well, it's the complete opposite in the movie. That's why all of these attempts, like I said, to, you know, try to make her look like she's troubled about being the second woman, they seem to fall flat because it appears like there's no real basis for her to feel jealous or insecure. Through the novel, we really get into Mrs. De Winter's head. There are all these ruminations about her insecurity. Rebecca must have done this. Rebecca must have done that. It's almost frustrating to a point where you wonder, how insecure can you be? which is the entire point of the novel, how she feels so insecure being the runner-up to Rebecca. It was so disappointing that they made the novel a romance. 
Yeah, and what a romance. You know, there's this part towards the ending where Mrs. De Winter says something like, you know, that this is one of the things that are worth fighting for and it's love. I'm paraphrasing it poorly, but it was it was something like that. And I thought that the dialogue was so poorly written that there's no way it could have been in the book. So two things about the ending. First, I don't think Mrs. Danvers commits suicide. As far as I remember, she just simply leaves. In the novel, they don't even mention who it is that burns Mandalay, but I guess it's assumed that it's her. Second, the novel ends with the couple driving back to Mandalay and all they can see is a reddish-orange gloom over the sky. You're led to understand that Mandalay has been raised to the ground. So did they just add the entire Egypt bit to the movie on their own? Doesn't the movie end with them escaping to Egypt so that they can still be together and and Mrs. D. Winter can continue to worship Maxim as if nobody was killed or anything? I really doubt if that part would have been in the book because that is honestly the most incel thing I've ever seen on screen. You know how people glorified Kabir Singh? That's, that's kind of the tone of the movie too. You know, it, it goes something like, it's okay if you kill somebody or hurt somebody because I love you and since you were suffering, your crime is justified and I will go to the ends of the earth for you. Yeah, none of that was in the book. Not even close. Even the court proceedings for that matter were not how they actually took place. Maxim was officially acquitted of the crime. I think the writers of the movie paid absolutely no heed to the characters. Without going into too many details... They made Maxim do something that was very uncharacteristic of him. He wouldn't ever offer a bribe. Even on the trip to London in the novel and the consequent discoveries are only alluded to. Dumouriez's entire writing style in this novel stems from the unsaid. Well, I'm quite surprised because nothing was left unsaid or said subtly in the movie. It was like one of those shows, you know, where, where it's all flash but no light. And definitely, it must take something to turn a gothic novel, however unconventional it is, into whatever this was. I genuinely felt like it was kind of a Netflixization at play. Because from the cast of characters to the cast of actors, I felt like it was quite a mess. I think the casting was okay as well. Kristen Thomas as Mrs. Danvers was really good. Favell, played by Sam Riley, and Crawley, played by Tom Goodman-Hill, were exactly how I imagined them to be. Well, in my case, the only character that I felt seemed like a real person was Mrs. Danvers. As somebody who hasn't read the book, she was the only part of the movie I could find myself hooking onto, and who seemed to have some depth and was portrayed with some sort of passion. Through the course of the book, we discover that Mrs. Danvers was Rebecca's caretaker. Mrs. Danvers was a maternal figure to Rebecca. Depending upon your personal interpretation, I felt like Mrs. Danvers was slightly obsessive. She's always seeking Rebecca's affection and approval. I would go so far as to say that the only romance part of the novel that existed is the one between these two women. I definitely agree with that. And I think we both also agree that Kristen Thomas played Danvers really, really well. But somehow, I still felt like her character was a bit stilted and I found myself wondering often during the movie if there's something more to her, but there there never was. Unfortunately, her character was so limited. I don't think they wrote the script very well. 
which leads me to ask can we please talk about the bit at the ball where mrs devinter is surrounded by women who are chanting rebecca rebecca yeah that scene was horrid all the psychological depth of the novel whatever it may have been has been shown so poorly throughout this movie it was almost comical and this bit in particular i felt like it looked like one of those moments from those coming of age movies where the protagonist is getting bullied by other high schoolers and there certainly was no originality and the scene didn't even seem to fit into the movie at all in fact i feel like the scene was a bit too much like that shaming ritual from hulu's adaptation of the handmaid's tale the color scheme the camera pans everything about it it was exaggerated and unsuitable and i don't think you need to read the book to realize how sorely it stood out even the courtship between maxime and mrs devinter was severely exaggerated in the film and now that i have said mrs devinter so many times i really want to talk about her lack of identity in the novel the fact that she has no name at all in the novel there's a part at the beginning where maxime tells her she has a really beautiful name but we never actually told her name So it does seem like they tried to be faithful to the book in that regard ha huh? I find that a very interesting trope employed by Du Maurier because Mrs Devinter is always in a flux about her identity she's constantly comparing herself to Rebecca and Paling her journey is that of finding her own identity by not giving her a name at all it further distances her from this identity Yeah I I mean we only know her as Mrs Devinter which is what Rebecca used to be right and so there's never an identity of her own and you know it it definitely feels like towards the end because she's struggled so much and she's done all these crazy things for Maxime she does kind of become Rebecca I think that was done quite well here unlike many other things in the movie for the most part I was disappointed because I signed up for path breaking gothic not sexy incels. It was so disappointing. Even if I watched the film without any context, I wouldn't give it more than 2 2.5 stars at best, and that's my being generous. Uh I did watch it without much context and I'll definitely give it only 2 stars, and that's for the aesthetics. The movie was fine if you wanted some good visualizations but it has changed Daphne du Maurier's story beyond recognition. Does that mean I can still read the book and enjoy please, it? Please please do read the book because you're in for a treat. So that was all for this week's episode. We'll be back again next week with some fresh perspectives. See you then.